Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name is James. I'm in San Antonio, Texas, and I am joined by my friend Ali from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, We love talking about horror video games. We do this every week. This week is part two of our cinematic platformers slash 2.5D platformers episode. If you missed last week, we talked about Limbo and Inside, both from Playdead. We dove into the history of the 2.5D and cinematic platformer genres. You know, for cinematic platformers, we talked about you know Out of This World, Flashback, The Quest for Identity, Prince Persia, games like that. And for 2.5D platformers, we talked a little bit about PlayStation games like Klonoa, etc. The games we've covered on last week's episode and this episode are sort of descendants of that genre so if if you want to learn more about the history check out the previous episode we get into it a little bit the last episode ran really long so we decided to break it up into two episodes so we're going to continue the topic today talking about little nightmares before we get into it uh this episode like all of our episodes are brought to you by you If you'd like to support us uh, and the show, go to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. Basically, it helps us continue to do the show. It helps pay for our SoundCloud and website hosting, and it helps us continue to do this. So if you really like it, if you like our show, uh, consider supporting us. Every dollar helps. Also, we would love to connect with you all. So go to um, our website, zerobrightness.com. And add us on all of your favorite socials. All the links are there. So just go to zerobrightness.com and you can find all the applicable links there. Lastly, we've got a lot of requests for this. If you want to play the games we talk about along with us, stick around until the end of the episodes. Because as always, we will do a segment at the end called Game Club where we reveal the next few games we will be playing. So yeah, let's go ahead and continue our discussion on Little Nightmares 2.5D and cinematic platformers in the realm of horror video games. And on that note, we're going to talk about our new favorite rapper, Little Nightmares. (laughs) Yes, now that we've hotboxed the geoprism with uh, dark political imagery, let me pop in my new CD of Little Nightmares. (laughs) Shit. No Limit Records. I bought it out of some dude's trunk at the gas station. Yeah, it had that cover with the fisheye gold font. Hell yeah, dude. Like a tank in the... A tank driving through the hood. Oh, yeah, dude. Little Nightmares is both piloting the tank, and he's also shooting a little tiny CGI bullet version of himself out of the tank. <laughs> so, Little Nightmares, it diverts from this formula a little bit, but it's v- still very much in that cinematic platformer wheelhouse. I think, you know, I think it diverts a lot, but it's still so much in that wheelhouse that it just feels like a different flavor. You're still running to the right. <laughs> For the most part, you're still running to the right. Well, and like I was saying just a second ago, it's it has a lot of references to those older games. And I think mm-hmm. with Little Nightmares, I think more than Inside or Limbo, it's referential in the tone. Mm. Like with the Playdead stuff, you're really getting the references and the mechanics. But when I booted up, little nightmares i felt like just the tone and the aesthetics was like wow this is so like late 90s adventure platform puzzle game it really got it really got my blood pumping because i'm a fucking nerd (laughs) Mm. so little nightmares is maybe like 2.75 d that is like the pitchfork score (laughs) equivalent (laughs) of genres right there 
limbo is a flat plane inside you're you're walking on a flat plane through 3d environments little nightmares is more of um you're playing in little dioramas like an open dollhouse yeah exactly. you're walking to the right and so you can walk towards and away from the camera too as well as walking to the right <laughs> yeah it's there's a depth to all of the environments and yeah. it's it's cool i think it's something you pick up on right away it may sound confusing to hear us talk about it but it's very intuitive I feel yeah. I was even There's, a little worried that it might be clunky when I first picked it up, but I, I found it to be very intuitive. It's good. Yeah. There's an added lighter mechanic for light and then there's an added run button, but gameplay is still very similar to the other, you know, like environmental puzzles, etc. Yeah. I think if, if you're playing these games in a shotgun row, like I did, I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny to start it up. And the first thing you do is like drag a box and I'm like, all right, okay. Okay. <laughs> we're s- doing it. We're doing it, dude. Little nightmares. First track does not disappoint. It's uh, the first track, drag a box. <laughs> but the first thing you notice about this game is the art direction. It's yeah. very like, mm, I, I don't know how to put it. Like early, the first three tool music videos. <laughs> Well, okay, so... So Adam Jones stole this look from a short film called Street of Crocodiles by the Brothers Quay, which is super fucking cool. You should go watch it on YouTube. Right. Um, Stop motion animation, very creepy, very dark. And if you've seen any of those tool videos for, like, you know, like, prison sex or whatever, you're you're well-versed with this kind of visual art style. Right. There's a little bit of, like, Tim Burton to it also, well, you know, like kind of like pointy, spindly sort of art direction, well, you know? So the whole aesthetic of the game, I would say it's like modern, whimsical, gothic. And it really all comes back to like three big reference points. The first is Edward Gorey. Yes. The visual artist Edward Gorey. And, and look, Definitely Edward Gorey. This is like my favorite shit. Like, I'm not proud that it is because it's like super like darky high school goth shit, but I fucking love it and I'm not ashamed. Even though I'm not proud, but I'm not ashamed. All right. What is that alphabet death shit? Oh, Everybody yeah. look that up. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Like, yeah. just go to a fucking bookstore or a library and look at some Edward Gorey shit if you haven't. And if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fucking rules. Um, so he's if you're like going out on a first date with a goth girl. Bring up Edward Gorey. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. You you'll be together forever, or at least a couple years, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so Edward Gorey, visual artist, he does this sort of like very dark, depressing, like sort of gothic comic stuff, but it's almost in the style of like kids books. It's always like macabre childhood. Yeah. It's always like a little child dying or some shit. Right. And they're presented <laughs> almost as little poems or stories. And like a lot of them look like like children's books, but they're super- Maybe even like a Victorian feel too. Very Victorian. Like the style of dress and the, the things that are popular, you know, riding bicycles and reading poems, all this kind of stuff. Very Victorian. And so his work definitely got filtered out to a much larger audience Uh, like through a couple of other artists so obviously people know stuff like the cure and that whole aesthetic which is like (laughs) straight out of edward gory but the big big one is tim burton obviously yeah and tim burton not only brought that style and aesthetic into his movies but also into his books and comics which people might be less familiar with i think he has a comic called is it like oyster boy 
I don't know anything about that. Well, so he did a movie called, I think these all have terrible, is this Frankenweenie? Frankenweenie was dope. Yeah, okay. The original one? Yeah, so Frankenweenie was like done 100% in the style of his comics, which are done 100% in the style of Edward Corey. <laughs> and, okay, uh, cool. And like, yeah, so he has a book of like, sort of comics and stories that's called the melancholy death of oyster boy and other stories. Um, and that's basically the exact center nexus point of this whole modern Gothic aesthetic. <laughs> like if you want to see the Edward Gorey influence and the Tim Burton modernization of it and like the cure, you know, Robert Smith is somewhere in there crying. Like it's all in there, right? Like basically Helena Bonham Carter's face. <laughs> hell yeah bro but like <laughs> so and but in this game the other big thing which is another huge touchstone for this style is the brothers quay who are stop motion animators mm-hmm. who made a bunch of just incredible incredible short films that you can go they're all on youtube but there's also yeah. like a, a collected DVD of them that used to be in every like creepy goth's house. Like I definitely have a copy of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. They also worked on some full length films. I don't know if they have a feature length film that's just like credit to them, but they worked on an adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. That's really, really crazy. Oh, really? Um, but I think the brothers Quay are probably most notable for doing a few music videos that they did. And also for everybody fucking biting their shit so hard that it's actually upsetting. Um, yeah, it's it's actually kind of infamous that Kurt Cobain called out Tool for stealing their shit. Yeah, well, because first of all, man, fuck Tool, and second of all, like it was just so <laughs> it was so brazen, you know. But they weren't even yeah. the only ones, man. Well, that dude, the guitar player, was a special effects guy in Hollywood, right? So I guess he's he had some buddies. Yeah, <laughs> but I will say that I think that the whole interpolation of that style into the aesthetic of little nightmares is really, really good. And it was cool. It looks cool as fuck. It looks cool as fuck. And it was just nice. It was gratifying for me after all these years to see a good tribute to it rather than just like a rip. Yeah. And it's not like too hot topic. No, 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 not at all. I mean, I feel like the, the title of the game doesn't work for it. It could really use a better title for the game. Yeah, what a dumb title. <laughs> like, we didn't even talk about this beforehand, but yeah, the title is kind of stupid. For such a cool game. Yeah, but kind of a shame. You Whatever. Know, you know what, though? Like, So here's the other thing about the aesthetics in this game is like, okay, so the music in the game is kind of like the dark but sort of whimsical orchestral score yeah which is like Mm -hmm. definitely in this wheelhouse of like tim burton like that kind of thing and the combination of that with the aesthetics did to me call back to that like i said that sort of ps1 era like heart of darkness which is like um which was eric chahi's follow-up to out of this world um yeah which is another cinematic uh, platformer and odd that game world. is fucking painful to play. Yeah, that game is not. It's interesting, but it's not good. Right. Um, and it, to me, it also kind of reminds me of Oddworld. And when I'm looking at this list of games, all of these games have terrible fucking names. So maybe Little Nightmare is like purposefully bad. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Flashback is dank. I will defend Flashback. 
Yeah, but Flashback is also the least, is the furthest away from those games, like, stylistically, than everything else that we listed. Hmm. I don't know. Don't you there's think? A lot of, there's a lot of rotoscope cinema sequences in a 16-bit cartridge. But didn't it feel just more like a normal platformer? Not in a bad way. No. You don't think so? And I'll argue that shit, too. Huh. Uh, one thing it does, uh, the gun isn't terrible. That's what I mean. So it gives you a gun that's not terrible, but it, it still does that like snap-to-grid walking thing. Sure. And jumping is all snap-to-grid. I guess it just um, felt so much more fluid that... Maybe I just got tricked. I got tricked. It's really, a, you know, it's definitely Prince of Persia DNA, but just evolved. I got something to say. <laughs> I killed your baby today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, one thing I'll say about the art style, if for people who aren't super familiar with it, I do think that drawing from these sort of influences from the good side of things like Edward Gorey and Brothers Quay it's not super corny like nah it's, it's not like hot topic bullshit it's know? legitimately creepy yeah and it looks cool and it it signals very clearly like to the viewer to the player that what you're watching has this dark aesthetic it's mm-hmm. creepy it's gonna say maybe some interesting fucked up shit and you're gonna be immersed in this kind of horrific world yeah there's a heavy dose of like that puppetry in like the animation um yeah it's always like a little jerky and a little unsettling sort of like marionettes or stop motion yeah but yeah uh you know you even so you're you're seeing everything in this sort of like diorama like open dollhouse look and everything looks like a marionette or like you know moves funny like that like in stop motion and so it really sets this really like dark, creepy, Victorian sort of mood. Yeah, absolutely. As does the way the game starts. Um, so similar to the Play Dead games, this game just starts. Yeah. Like you, it shows you a brief little impressionistic cutscene of something like you see a a kind of female form uh with a white face it's all very indistinct and there's kind of flashes and then you just wake up and you are this diminutive figure (laughs) of unclear anything you're this tiny tiny little human in like a little pointy raincoat so it kind of has that kind of like occulty hood looking thing Almost like a right. KKK kind of thing, but it's like a <laughs> yellow raincoat. But you're this yeah. scrawny little human inside that you can barely see. And you're probably yeah. like an infant's height, but you're super skinny and scrawny. Yeah, like you have the proportions of like a kid, but you're like the size of a baby. And <laughs> it looks like you're just wearing a raincoat, like a tiny raincoat. Like You're not wearing shoes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're just this kind of strange, small, pitiful looking character, but you got a lighter. So, you know, (laughs) you're one of the cool kids. (laughs) Yeah. You can flick it in the hallway and maybe try and smoke a cigarette. It's yes, but it's, it's a really jarring and cool way to start the game. But What, what a weird little character. What a weird little character. And your raincoat is just bright yellow. Yeah. 
<laughs> the more I played the game, the more I just loved that choice. Like I liked it right away because I was like, wow, that's bold. But then the more you play the game, the more it's like you're the, sometimes the only thing on screen that has real color. It, right. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And you're the color of a fucking school bus. I love it. Yeah, so you're this you're this little kid. Apparently it's female, and apparently its name is Six, but I don't think anything in the game tells you that. And it's sort of like really asexual. It doesn't have a voice or anything. So no. apparently you're a girl named Six. <laughs> yeah, and here's one thing I'm going to say too. Like, I felt like looking at the fan theories and lore stuff for this game... I thought it, a lot of it was like shittier than the ones for the play dead stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like the fan theories for the play dead stuff as out there as they get and as much as they start to be like stuff I don't totally believe in. Um, it was mostly respectful to the fact that the game is supposed to be open ended, that the game is supposed to be thought provoking and not necessarily give you an answer. I felt like with little nightmares, a lot of the discussion of it was way more, like this is how it is, you know? Mm. And it was weird because I wasn't sure where that information was coming from. Like, obviously you can look up what the developers have said, but both of these developers have been pretty tight lipped about the details of the game that players want to know, you know? Right. So they confirm little things here and there, but there's other stuff that, it's like, you know, I don't know if that's the case or if it's just like if 10 people make YouTube videos about it, it's just the truth. <laughs> so I definitely preferred to sort of go with what I thought was going on in the game because you get enough concrete story beats to know what happened. Like it's way more concrete than the Play Dead stuff, but yeah, there's enough left unsaid. We'll get into some of it later with the ending because I think a lot of it revolves around the ending where I was reading stuff where I was like, now where in the fuck did you get that? You know? <laughs> but off yeah. the rip, it's like, I like you being like the weird... It's like, you know what? It looks like the guy from those old Broderbund uh, adventure games. Is this the guy in the coat? Was that in Carmen San Diego? <laughs> where you're just like a coat with like a hat and you can't see the face or anything. You just see the hands and the legs. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was Carmen San Diego. It's like so. that. I'm thinking of like Dirty Harry on the NES. Not Dirty yeah. Harry. Uh, what was the yellow guy? Uh, oh, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a coat. I guess I'm stuck with the yellow coat right now. Yeah, but like, dude, I'll try and find the little Carmen San Diego guy. It's like so good. <laughs> but yeah, like, I like that it, it can be just open-ended like we don't have to have this character have a name or we don't have to know what the gender is or any of that stuff because yeah. like, it doesn't matter to the story at all yeah you're you're gonna discover the story by running right so it doesn't really matter <laughs> so just fucking do your running right and just chill out okay? go right yeah you you wake up on the like in like the depths of a ship and there's all these little like gnomes running around and uh yeah. everybody's hiding well, and okay, so this game, I love the art style. I mean, I think we've already kind of covered that fact, but I love the little uh, environmental details and world building that go into this game because you wake up and it looks like you're in like the hold of a ship. Yeah. Right. So right away, you're like, I think I'm in the hold of a ship. And you start running around and you start seeing 
other characters, but they're all weird. And they're all of different sizes. So, like, right away when you start playing, you're like, I'm tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Am I tiny? You know? Yeah. And then the first, if, if I'm not mistaken, the first other figure you see is the legs of a body of someone who has just hung themselves. Yeah, and they're really tall. They're like enormous. Like they yeah. are a giant compared to you. So then you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, well, and like, you're like running around furniture and like chairs are huge. You know? Yeah. You're literally the size of like a tiny baby. Right, but then not long after that, maybe just a couple screens, you start seeing the what I guess everyone calls the gnomes. Gnomes, yeah, and, and they're, even, they're smaller. even smaller than you. Yeah. <laughs> and later in the game, you see other figures, and they're kind of somewhere in between. Like they're not as big. Some of them are huge, like the guy who had hung himself. Yeah. And and there's other ones that are more. They're closer to what a normal human would be, and then there's like little tiny things too. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. So you're getting kind of bad vibes, and you see some like foreboding shit. And th- the first sort of antagonist you come across is, I think he's called the janitor, but he's blind and he has like really long snake-like arms. Shit's yeah. like straight out of like Tim Burton's nightmares. Yeah, he's super spooky. But uh, you're going through like a little like like an orphanage or something. Like it's like a bunch of bunk beds. Um, that's being tended by this guy, and he's blind, so you just kind of have to like be quiet and run and hide from him. Um, which, you know, we might as well bring up the stealth elements here because this game has a has a, a lot of stealth, and the other games didn't really have that. No, I mean, the very beginning of Inside has some light stealth, but it's really timing-based. Like, you just wait for the characters in the background to turn away and run. Uh, This game is not like that. This game actually gets pretty, like, solid snake. Yeah, never, like, super in-depth. Like, the bad guys are pretty dumb, but uh, they'll get you. And once they get you, you kind of have to, like, start the scene over. Yeah, so the basic gameplay, I mean... Most of it is pretty similar to the games that we've been talking about this whole episode. It's Sometimes you have to grab a key, which makes it a little more complicated. Right, and so besides just dragging boxes, I mean, there's parts where you have to do some complicated, like, switch puzzles or move stuff out of the way. I mean, really early on, there's, like, kind of a cool puzzle where you're turning off the electricity and, like, you kind of need to stop a train to clear obstacles for yourself and, like, all these kind of little details that actually make it a cool puzzle like yeah you you can spend a few minutes doing it and it it's fun you know and it's it's interesting to tinker with i like doing the environmental stuff like climbing up chests of drawers and like stacks of dishes and stuff because you're so tiny yeah it's cute yeah it's it's super cute it doesn't really <laughs> stop being cute even during some of the really scary parts like yeah. when you're climbing the dishes it's like scary but that's like oh yeah <laughs> But the other element to the gameplay that isn't in really any of the other games is, yeah, the stealth element. And so you frequently have to hide from these bigger, you know, sentry, sentinel-type enemies who are creeping around looking for you. And the game, you know, this game is really well-designed. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to say like the environments are really well designed and obviously that comes through in the environmental puzzles, but I also liked how they gave you little, you know, things to run under and places to jump into when you're doing the stealth. So yeah. it's a challenge, but it's, it's very intuitive. Yeah. And th- the bad guys are legitimately creepy. So yeah. you want to run and hide, you know, it's not one that you just want to like blast through. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to see those things up close, like, like in a horror game. You know, I think that's one thing I keep coming back to is that there's things about these games that the horror feels like it's only in the background or in the atmosphere and the environments, but the enemies in this game are really creepy and grotesque. And so, even though it's not like a first-person horror game where it's like I don't want to see that up close, you still get that feeling of like, ooh, I don't want to, I don't want my little little guy to get grabbed up by that ghoulie. Yeah. Yeah, Get they just like grab you and like, why are they grabbing you? It's just all creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's it's really cool. You go into the one one specific scene. You go into the, uh, the, the janitor's personal room. And since he's blind, he's got all these toys that like make sound. And so sure. you're trying to like sneak around all his like symbol monkey toys. And so like right. if you touch anything, he's, he'll like come like sprinting and like feeling around for you. Um, so yeah, it's just really, this is a really cool scene of like sneaking around all the loud toys and, yeah. and then you have to like climb up a chest of drawers on the opposite side and go through a vent. Yeah. And well, I think he's just the, the scariest thing in the game. He introduces a lot of the horror in the game. Like, yeah, there's like a part where you can get grabbed by him through just like a hole in the wall. Yeah. And that's like a legit jump scare. Yeah, the long snaky arms are legitimately creepy. Yeah, and he's it, a super creep. And when you finally get rid of him, um, there's a scene where you're like stuck in an elevator and he's got his arms through. You end up like closing the door on him and chopping his arms off. Yeah. It's really creepy. Yeah, it's, oh man. Yeah, I actually, that was a moment where I was just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, one thing I'll say about this game is that I do think the horror element in this game is super, super well done. Like it's very much more over the top and kind of ridiculous maybe than something like inside where uh, like for a lot of the game it's just building tension, but I really love how they did it and I love how crazy it gets. Cause like you're just not expecting it or at least I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's creepy. And so there's this one sort of like story mechanic going through the game is that your your character is like always super hungry. And so every once in a while you, you'll hear her stomach grumbling and she'll have to eat something. There's one point like a silhouette character in the background just like throws her a piece of bread. And then um, another part where you're like you're so hungry you like eat a rat. So that, that becomes like a reoccurring theme. Right. And it's cool because it it really, the environment and the story and the way it progresses, even though once again, there's no dialogue, there's no text, you know, there's nothing like that. It has such a good progression that it becomes really vivid and you pick up on everything that you're supposed to pick up on. Mm -hmm. Um, That is to say that as you're moving through this game and you're this tiny hungry baby, (laughs) uh, you also are introduced more and more to the motif of food preparation and butchery. Yeah. 
So you finally get away from the uh, the janitor, and the next area you go into is a giant kitchen, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of food being prepared, especially like meat. So right. yeah, so like the whole like first third of the game, you're sort of like haunted by this janitor guy, and then the second third of the game, you're haunted by um, these two the two chefs, I guess. Yeah, they're like these big sort of grotesque i don't know they're kind of like pigmen but not explicitly like uh uh ursine yeah they have like no necks and it's just a bunch of fat rolls yeah 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 uh exactly i also use the wrong word i meant porcine uh but yeah they're, <laughs> they're pig boys they're they're big big boys pig boys big pigs maybe um sure have at it but yeah they're they're creepy uh they chase you around a lot. <laughs> you gotta not. You gotta not get chased by them. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I think is it like the next area where you're in the sort of like butcher's butcher's block, or is that all like kind of in the kitchen? Yeah, well, I, I don't remember the chronology, but yeah, you're definitely in like a a meat locker sort of situation early on. Right. And, uh, yeah. They do a lot of meat chopping, <laughs> sausage making. Yeah. It's it's really gross. Yeah. And it's really off putting. And I love it. Uh, <laughs> it. It was, it's just like, so, you know. They'll fucking throw your ass in the oven, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. It was a nice contrast to inside where it was sort of like this slow burn into this big reveal but yeah in this game it's more of like a linear progression where it's like things just keep getting grosser and weirder um and so once they introduce the motif of food which is you know paralleled by your character being hungry you start to see that there's just like a lot of meat prep and then it becomes <laughs> really clear that they're just making food out of children <laughs> yeah but your your tiny ass character isn't going to be like much of a meal, right? <laughs> but they're definitely making sausages out of kids, right? And it's a cool plot point, not just because it's fucked up and disturbing and creepy, but yeah, it's also like it doesn't make sense for your character, and so you realize that you've sort of fucked something up with the system, like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm not one of the kids. But there, there is a part where you get locked up in a cage. Which is straight are, from out of this world. Yeah, Because exactly. you have to rock back and forth to jump out, to break out. Yeah, you're put in like a hanging cage in out of this world. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you're, yeah, you're captured, you're put in a cage, and you can see around you that there are other small figures in cages like you. Yeah. So it's like, well, there's other people who are getting turned into food, but I didn't really go through that production line. Like I came from somewhere else and I don't know what that is. Uh, But you start to see how this place functions. Yeah, Uh, exactly. You also start to question where you are and what it is too. Yeah. Well, there's a really cool scene. Um, one part you actually get to um, get out of the get out to the exterior of the ship and like yeah. climb up a chain and you could finally see one like the scope of how huge this ship is that you're on yeah and two you see um, another boat offloading passengers onto the ship 
And there are all these like giant, rotund, horrifying looking people in like fancy clothes. Right. And it's cool too because you start to wonder, am I even on a ship? Because there's another ship. Yeah. Like over there, it's like, wait, what is this place? And I, I mean, I, I'm still not 100% sure. I think it's not, but it could be. I think it's a ship. I don't know. I thought it was, I started to think it was almost more like The Rock or something. Well, it, well, cause there's definitely some situations where like the, all of the architecture is like rocking back and forth. So it's got to be a ship. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. I thought like maybe it could have been some sort of like anchored like thing. Just sits party in the boat. ocean. Yeah, party boat. <laughs> uh, but well, so when. This is another another point, like when they start to introduce this motif of them like turning kids into sausages, <laughs> and, which is right before they introduce the motif you're talking about, which is feeding them the fucking rich people. Yeah. Which is, we'll get to that in a minute because that is fucking uh, bananas, by the way. But like uh, they start to or the way that they illustrate what's going on is like the most fucked up thing I've maybe ever seen in a game, which is like, (laughs) so the first thing they show you, I believe if I'm remembering correctly is a room full of shoes, which is uh, where we press the button on the Holocaust reference buzzer. Yep. And, uh, two games in a row. Yeah. Two games in a row. Well, so like I went to the Holocaust museum in DC, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was on tour once, uh, which is a, weird call and made us all very sad (laughs) but also a crazy amazing place that if anyone is in dc and feels that they can emotionally handle it should go to it yeah but there's literally just a giant room that's full of shoes in there pretty disturbing incredibly disturbing and like when we walked in like i was in monica and she just started crying immediately and i was just like shocked like because you can smell it Mm. like it has a smell and it just makes you think about like that dehumanizing aspect. Like mm-hmm. obviously everyone knows that like when they were rounding people up, like they were taking their personal belongings and taking their jewelry and all these things. But it's like taking someone's shoes, like yeah. ugh, it's awful. But when I saw that in this game, I was just like transported back to that. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like, and it's just a room full of fucking shoes. Right. And, but then the game goes a step further and just, there's rooms full of, bodies like just like wrapped up bodies and then later you see the like chef boyardee boys putting the fucking bodies on hooks and sending them over to the next room and it's like holy shit like yeah that is some dark i mean and then the game forces you to be part of the sausage making process right because to solve one of the puzzles you have to like make some sausage yeah it's really fucked up and gross and it's like all in the same breath it introduces the idea of this like subjugation dehumanization and also like being a part of the problem right it's just like god damn that's fucking heavy as hell dude yeah Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening to the Zero Brightness Podcast. If you want to support us, the most direct ways are at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also give us a rating on the service of your choice. I know Apple's super into that. 
And when you leave a rating, you can also leave us a suggestion for a future episode topic. You can also follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram. We're at Zero Brightness Pod. You can also shoot us an email with thoughts, comments, whatever at Zero Brightness Podcast at gmail.com. It's been really cool interacting with people and sharing thoughts on Facebook and Reddit. So hoping to hear from you guys more directly in the future. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. Then, though, after that, you get the context that we had jumped ahead to before, which is that you scale the outside of the ship. Um, it does some really cool camera work where it just keeps panning out and out and out and out until your character's like a dot. Uh, and then you you see another ship docking, and then it kind of zooms back in as you walk alongside these people, but from a higher elevation. And you see that there's all these like they're like rich people who are just coming to like party and and eat child sausage. Uh, <laughs> but they're the same sort of like grotesque like pig man type people that yeah. uh, like the cooks are. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sets up the next part of the game, which is you being actually in the sort of like luxury dining area that these scary pig people hang out in and eat child sausage. And it's super (laughs) fucking disturbing because it's like you get the political subtext of the game or text, I guess of the game, which is just like the rich eating the poor, like the strong eating the vulnerable. But you also just get this whole other element to the way that the horror is presented. And it's really gross and also really great. Yeah, and um, I the pace picks up, um, especially once the diners like start noticing you, right? Um, it, so fucked. There's a couple parts where they're just like the puzzle is kind of like a mini chase to get away from this one guy until right. you can get to a place of elevation where he like can't grab you or something, right? And you're like running between diners. And they're like grabbing for you, yeah. Um, and it, they're it's they're not like eating like regularly. They're just like total <laughs> slobs, like laid all over the tables, like spilling shit everywhere. Yeah, they're just like they're just cramming things into their mouths. It's yeah. like so fucked. <laughs> it's really cool looking. And yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And I also like, I think. This sort of, I don't know if the word is satire, maybe, but or comparison or whatever. It's sometimes really easy, like low hanging fruit uh, type of thing. Like in Wally, have you seen the movie Wally? No, <laughs> it's a it's a du- stupid fucking movie in my opinion. But like that, like literally, the only humans in it are like these very obese people who just sit in these like flying chairs and they're just like always strapped in and just like eating or drinking and like it's just like such low hanging fruit but I think in this game (laughs) the way they do it is like really really good because they make them these super like grotesque inhuman people then they also make it clear that it's like they're gross because they're rich (laughs) (laughs) which I think is the way to do it because otherwise you're just like it's like what you're just like making fun of like people who are overweight or like you're just saying that like people who eat too much are like bad or it's just like that's that's not interesting that's not insightful and ultimately like i said it's low-hanging fruit it's like 
people have been doing it forever. But I think this game actually does it well with these sort of like creepy rich people figures, you know? Yeah. I pick up what you're putting down comrade. (laughs) Yeah. Wally, it was not subtle. It was like, look at these fucking people. (laughs) (laughs) Wally's garbage. Actually Pixar's garbage. Every Pixar movie sucks. Hot take. Is Wally just a bunch of like Pixar millionaires telling you to get a gym membership? No, it's actually worse than that. Although that's definitely in there. Uh, Wally is a bunch of millionaires telling you that humans should waste less and create less stuff. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's trying to sell you a movie that will only be profitable if you go and buy a t-shirt and a plushie after you've watched the movie, drank a gigantic diet Coke and eaten a whole bunch of popcorn. It's like <laughs> you guys picked the wrong medium for your message. You fucking chodes. Like, God, I love popcorn though. Oh yeah, me too. But it's like if you want to tell me not to spend money on popcorn, go do an experimental puppet projection out by ninety four. Don't fucking do a you know big movie, a summer fucking tentpole CGI blockbuster. God, it's literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was laughing when I was leaving because I was like, this is this is absolutely the nadir of modern culture. <laughs> Lord, I hate Pixar so much that I've like made strangers immediately become my enemy before. I can't, I can't with it. Can't, can't, can't do it. I can't do it, man. Can't do it. Little nightmares by Pixar. (laughs) Pixar is a movie adaptation of little nightmares. It has a slightly different subtext. Tim Burton and Pixar fucking team up. There's one human green screen in the movie, and it's Helena Bonham Carter in a fat suit. No, Little Wayne has to play the kid in the raincoat. <laughs> All right, well, then I'd go see it, but that's not fair. You just CGI Lil Wayne to be tiny. <laughs> getting the- chased by fat guys. <laughs> he doesn't really have dialogue, but he just kind of croaks out stuff. Everyone's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. So anyways. Um, anyways. I think that the last part of the game is the least interesting part. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, after you escape from all the fatties. <laughs> uh, after you escape, you go into the quarters of the... Uh, I, th- I think she's called, like, the lady of the ship or something like that. Yeah, the lady. The lady. And this is sort of the least interesting part of the game for me because she's never really like established really as an antagonist, and she's not like super scary or anything. She's, no, she's just like a tall woman who kind of looks like she's wearing a like a geisha, yeah, a mask that looks like geisha makeup or like Japanese theater makeup. Mm-hmm. You see her in the vision in the beginning, and then once more when you're coming into the like luxury passenger part of the ship. That's it, if I'm remembering correctly. That's really it. So yeah. Um, you fight her with a mirror like the second time you meet her <laughs> right yeah and um, pretty uneventful fight not super scary um, and then she's dead and then that's almost the end of the game I guess I was well, just like yeah. really disappointed kind of by this part cause like pretty much like the whole game's been pretty flawless up until this point to me 
Yeah, it's a little dry. The environment isn't super engaging. And then this character, to me, and I'm with you, like, it just wasn't super interesting. Um, I like, do like the actual end of the game. A yeah, lot. but, like, this geisha thing, is she, like, responsible for all the children being eaten? Like, what's the story here? Like, none okay. of that is given to you. Do you want to hear the stupid, like, YouTube lore that I that I looked up? Or do you want to talk about the ending first? And Let's talk about the ending first, because okay. we should probably touch on the DLC, too, because the DLC, I think fills out some of the story oh so okay so i didn't play that but uh, i played that. a little bit but we'll get into that okay cool so the ending ending is so after you fight this woman who is presumably in charge of the whole operation uh you kill her like a video game protagonist does but then you do something that a video game protagonist doesn't usually do and <laughs> you eat her you eat her fucking face because you're hungry yeah. Because you're hungry and you're just a little Wayne who wants to eat some face. <laughs> and uh, by so by eating her face, you gain her power, mm-hmm. which is to like suck the life force out of people. Yes. And so your little raincoat friend walks through this establishment, just sucking the life out of all the big evil. It's really people. creepy. Yeah, and this is like a cutscene cutscene. It's like the only one in the game, really. Yeah. And it's really well done. It's got like good music. It's very like epic and creepy. And it's just like, whoa, what am I what am I into right now? I'm into some weird stuff. Yeah, so she's like slowly walking down like an aisle of like eaters, and they're like reaching for her, trying to eat her, and then she's all like f- dropping dead, <laughs> eyes rolling <laughs> into their heads and shit. Yeah. For sure. And that's the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, you like pop out, the ship is docked with the island or something like that. And like you hear another ship in the distance. Like she's about to kill more people. But essentially, she just like this little tiny character turns into a fucking killing machine for the last 45 (laughs) seconds of the game. Yeah. And just like is going to just keep being like a serial killer of rich people. Yeah. Just like pretty dope good comrade (laughs) the best comrade so i mean great game like great climax with all the fat people fat rich people but the the last boss is weird the last that last little stretch is weird okay do you want the youtube lore (laughs) i guess let's go okay so i preface this with it's very youtube and i don't know if it's real or where these people got this stuff but i put it in my brain hole and now i'm gonna tell it to you so people speculate that the lady uh is the person who runs the operation that's pretty obvious from the game Mm -hmm. and her deal is that she has this power to suck people's life force and she runs this kind of luxury operation for people to come and eat child sausage and just be disgusting. But she, in return, sucks their life force out of them. Uh, she's obsessed with her beauty and remaining young. People speculate that because there's no mirrors anywhere except for the one mirror. And she wears a mask. Mm-hmm. And the way that you defeat her is by showing her her own, you know, visage in Mm -hmm. a mirror that's all 
pretty on board. The thing about beauty and that kind of stuff is kind of interesting, you know, as a contrast to like your character being this skinny little ugly thing and then all the other characters in the game being like sort of like big right. ugly things. Everything's grotesque. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. I'm kind of vibing with that. But then this is where it gets sort of wacky is that people think that the main character who, <laughs> once again, I guess... I guess her name is Six, although, like, where, where did that come from? Right. I don't know. Is it, is it a girl? Is it Six? Like, what does this matter? What is this? People speculate that that's the daughter of the lady. I hate it. Me too. But where they got it, <laughs> they say that there's, like, portraits of a young girl, like, in the bedroom leading up to the last fight, and then that's, like, the main character you sort of escape they're just like malnourished and hiding in the ship and you decide to go like kill your mother no I hate it yeah me too but I just thought I'd share it with you because I had to look at it also (laughs) no it's bad (laughs) yeah I don't I think maybe the first part is like it's okay I don't know if I the you know I guess like the beauty theme theme makes the mirror thing make sense yeah, but I don't know. So there's there's three DLCs, okay. which is actually a lot. Um, I played the first one like a long time ago, and I played a little bit through the second one. But you you play as another kid, and oh. I I I think the kid that uh, well you wake up in the orphanage with the little handsy guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't get super far into it, but I think eventually that kid gets turned into one of the dwarves, and I think the twer- dwarves are what gets turned into the sausage. So I think some of that gets revealed there, and I think some more backstory about the lady gets revealed too. But I didn't really play a ton into it. Sure. That's a problem with putting DLC out after I'm done playing a game. It's really hard for me to like go back and get back into the mood to play the game again. Right. Well, and a lot of it's just bad as we've discussed. Yeah. It makes me not want to buy a game until, like, it's heavily discounted and all the DLCs are, like, included. Yeah. Well, and also, I think that shit works best when it's just in the game. Yeah. Like, if it's, like, an... I mean, it really only works for, like, adventure games where it's, like, oh, there's this area over there you can go to if you want to. Yeah, that's true. This one's weird because I had to go to, like, the chapter select to find it super weird oh, yeah. yeah yeah that's what i mean like that just feels so artificial yeah like oh we put in some more levels it's like uh this game doesn't really have levels <laughs> yeah <laughs> what <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i feel about most stuff but yeah it's fine if it's in like an rpg or an, an adventure game you know it's like oh we got some extra stuff yeah so i mean really cool game ending's kind of flawed i don't know yeah i think though that like you know I, I like the ambiguity in the story. It's yes. similar to the other games, but it's also like this game is, it feels a lot more of a fleshed out world than anything Playdead has done. Hmm. Or like, because even like with the the gnomes, like that's an interesting point because like you can hug them. Yeah. And but like, then you eat one. Yeah. Which but was you something also, we didn't talk about. Right. So it's like, there's clearly a relationship between the main character and the gnomes in terms of like, you're probably the same species. Like it's not like a fantasy gnome where it's like a different species. It's like, you're the same thing and something is going on there, you know? 
so but that's just like a cool thing to think about or like yeah thinking about like well who is this person who ran this operation and like you can play it again and look for clues and think about stuff i i think that's the strength of the game even though Mm -hmm. like i said i think the youtube lore stuff is like pretty dumb yeah i don't like it (laughs) um i i i think inside is just more successful in telling like a like a deeper story but they're both great games no i i agree i i think they're like i said though i think when i think of these games they're just two very different flavors mm. uh, of the same sort of idea like inside is this kind of tense heady sci-fi horror that's meant to keep you like on the edge of your seat and little nightmares is more of like this just sort of absurdist like escalating trip through this strange little world yeah and i do think it's portrayed in the aesthetics because like the aesthetic of little nightmares is so much more like cozy and victorian compared to inside where it's just cold yeah yeah there's like there's whimsy there yeah i wouldn't describe inside as whimsical even when it's no. funny yeah it's like darkly funny terry yeah. gillian exactly yeah well any uh any final thoughts on that fucking good shit good shit good shit good shit anyways you want to jump into game club yeah it's time for game club dude yeah Yeah. ps2 classic now available on everything but your iphone it's not on Um, iphone yet i don't know i should look that up before i say that (laughs) i should search that all app store before i just start popping off uh, but yeah, it's it, they it got a remaster. I think we both played the remaster, right? Yeah, uh, PC PC remaster, Nintendo Switch, <laughs> PC remaster race. Yeah, I played yeah. the uh, I played the Switch version. Um, what else? After Onimusha, we're doing Bloodstained. Uh, wait, which one is the new one? <laughs> uh, Ritual of the Nine. Yeah, I almost said Curse of the Moon. We might do Curse of the Moon too, just because it's short. Yeah. I think it's um, like a two-hour game. Yeah, but we're definitely doing Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, and then talking about a whole bunch of other Castlevanias, because we fucking love Castlevania. Love that shit. And I'm assuming you do, too, because you've got good taste. You're listening to this. So. <laughs> yep. So uh, keep having good taste out there. Taste something yeah, good man. for us. Yeah, stay classy. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs>